Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Michael Felder on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Michael, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Buddy, good. Grilling season's upon us. Uh, got the grill out the other night. I just did some chicken, but it was still pretty fire. What, uh, what have you been cooking up lately? Yeah, I think we're going to have some ribs this weekend, which will be nice. Um, some like some pork, uh, some baby backs, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really happy that this corn season. Oh, baby. a little bit of corn. With you. Which I love a little sweet corn, so that's been fun, and, 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 and just, you know, I've been, we, oh, I, I don't know, do you guys get ramps down there? Get what? Ramps. Ramps. Yeah, okay, oh. so that's a no. Um, yep. It's, it's kind of like the best, the easiest way for me to describe it is it's kind of like a cross between garlic and an onion. Uh, they have these little bowls, but they're all wild. You have to forge for them, but they're my favorite seasonal ingredient. Just did a ramp compound butter, did some ramp pasta. Going to do um, gonna do uh, lobster rolls with ramps on Friday afternoon or Friday evening. So, yeah, if you get a chance to get your hand on some ramps from a farmer's market, or you can buy it from a restaurant, I say go get them. This is different than, like, the big bull bunions we find. Yes, different than the big it looks. It looks like a spring onion, a smaller version of a spring onion, but it's got a red. It goes from okay. that white bulb to a red tip up to a green. The greens are really good, bitter greens, kind of similar to dandelion greens. Oh, yeah. And the bulb has a really, like, it's got a fragrant, pungent, like, little punch. That, that works really well. It's like when I'm cooking with ramp, I don't use garlic or onion when I'm cooking with mm-hmm. ramp because they kind of fill both voids. That reminds me, two, two things. First of all, if you would have given it to me in its uh, in its Latin name, Allium tricocum, I would have known exactly what you were talking about. Uh, that's what it's actually known as to me, Allium tricocum. That's what we call it. I'm like, hey, honey, bring in the Allium tricocum. We're about to whoop up a delicious meal. And the other thing is that reminds me a little bit of uh, something my buddy brought me. He owns a liquor store. It's vodka. You ever had that? It's vodka, tequila, one bottle. This is the plant version of vodka. It's all in one thing. So you got your garlic and your onions smashed together in one beautiful plant. Allium tricocum. <laughs> I wish I, I should have given you the scientific. Method. Yeah, you know if you if you're not talking genus and phyla and and uh, all that, I mean, forget about it. I mean, what are we even doing here? All right, um, let's talk some sports. I, Wes said he was going to bring up uh, a wide receiver from Arkansas that got drafted, but I was afraid that you would be moved to tears again, Michael. So I didn't think it was a good idea. I'm okay. Okay. I'm okay. Let's talk about Burke. I love it. Okay, well, the whole story is interesting, obviously, with uh, A.J., with, with Brown being moved out, right? And so there was some yep. uproar over in Tennessee about that. I think they're getting a great version, or newer, younger version of that. Cheaper. Yeah, and admittedly, look, I mean, the guy has been amazingly productive. I get it for them. But I don't think they're going to lose a ton in productivity. What's your What's your greatest expectation for Burks if he stays healthy in his first year? I think he can be a guy that is probably their leading receiver. Um, obviously, it's going to take a little time. But the good thing is he's going to be playing with, what, with Tenniel there. And, and listen, I'm not saying Tenniel's all-world, but the, good, the, the, the one thing, and I hope people realize this, and I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. You can't have a young quarterback and young wide receivers. You can have young receivers with an experienced quarterback, or you can have experienced wide receivers with a young quarterback, but you can't have both of them be young together. Tenniel is not young, so he's going to – help Burke understand where he's supposed to be, help Burke understand how to get open, when to get open, help him with tempoing those routes out. Obviously, they got some other veterans in that room as well. So it's all about him tempoing his route running. And then I also think the interesting part is going to be how they get him the ball, in, whether it's off the screen or in the backfield, 
finding ways early on to get him the football in non-traditional receiver ways so that he gets more comfortable and gets up to his feet. What do you think is his will be the the best route? I hate to be specific with the route, but is it more the the little tunnel screens, the screens that Tennessee likes to throw, or can he take advantage of the play action game and and the running game and and have some one on one coverage? You think that's kind of the best fit for Burks in, in Tennessee? Yeah. So we hit on kind of the non traditional ways of getting in the football, but I actually I definitely think look, this is Derrick Henry. Come on. Yeah. I mean, like play action is important, and you need an extra safety in the box for him. Well, absolutely, to be able to win those one-on-one matches, which lets him do what he does best, right? We've seen Burke go out there and beat guys in one-on-one. We've seen him beat Alabama. We've seen him beat Auburn. We've seen him beat these guys mm-hmm. one-on-one in one-on-one scenarios. And so, I do think that that's going to be really critical for his development because that gives him an opportunity to have some of the the um, technicalities that are involved in playing NFL wide receiver. Those can kind of slip away, and he can go to being kind of that bruiser, that brawler that we know he can be. A guy that's just a gamer out there making plays. My favorite dumb take was, and it's people talking about that Alabama player, like, guy made one play last year and all of a sudden they think he can replace A.J. Brown. Like, come on, bro. Hmm. You watch any football at all, stop it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, that's one of the things that's been interesting about like going back into kind of that draft complex is how many people watch games in real time and see actual real stuff versus who's watching cut-up clips versus who's watching a highlight versus all this stuff. So that was interesting about the last uh, about a couple of weeks ago when I was doing the draft with Bleach Report because we all three came with different stuff. Lesko's been doing basketball, man. He's deep in the NBA, and he's coming back and just getting fresh on, on, on his depth charts. Connor's been doing exclusively drafts, and then for me it's all about this college football world and being able to take that world and translate it to the next level. With all that being said, you know, and the whole A.J. Brown aspect of it and the fans upset and trying to fill his shoes, yeah. is this still – is it a good situation for Traylon? Yeah, once he starts playing, they're going to love him. That's the thing. Like, yeah, you are sad. When you lose a guy that's like an all-pro receiver, you're going to be sad. That happens. When you get a guy that has the potential to be that later, you're going to be happy. And when it saves your team some cap money so they can sign other people, you're going to be happy. And so – it's all about them winning. If they win games, nobody's going to care. And obviously, people we will be will be eyeballing what's going on in Philadelphia. But I think that we're probably in a better if, – if I'm Traylon, I'm in a better quarterback situation than if I had gone to Philly mm-hmm. and been with Jalen Hurts. I'm in a better situation with a guy like Tannehill and a growing Malik Willis than I would be if I was in Philly with Jalen Hurts. Which wide receiver out of that class, those six in the first round, has a, uh, a best uh, rookie season? Mm-hmm. See, my instant answer, I want to say, um, I want to say Jameson Williams, but man, honestly, I think it might not be any of them. I think it might be George Pickens if he's healthy. Yeah. I hmm. think it might be Pickens. I know he didn't go until later, but I think it might end up being Pickens in, in Pittsburgh. That's the, wow. that's the scary part. That was one of those kind of we, – we, we were doing a show and it was, we were looking at it and we're just like, George Pickens was the number one wide receiver before he got hurt and Georgia kind of screwed around. And you were able to get him later in the draft and you're going to use him instead of just have him run decoy routes so you can throw the ball to Ladd McConkey. That's, uh, that caught me off guard. You know, but Pickens, if not – if he doesn't get hurt and uh... – has a, uh, a year like we were expecting, he could very well been the yeah. first pick wide receiver picked out, out of this uh, out of the group of six that was taken in the first round. Yeah, and, well, in 
and also if he if, if J.T. Daniels was the, actually the quarterback and they threw the ball down the field, he had he had way better numbers and successes on with J.T. Daniels at the quarterback spot than he had with uh, with Stetson Bennett. That was another that's a huge factor in uh, part of why he wasn't productive. Yes, he was hurt, but then when he got back on the field, Bennett couldn't get the ball to him down the field. Bennett couldn't, and so he's just he's just a decoy. Hmm. The Titans also took uh, Malik Willis later on, yep. uh, a lot later than many people expected Willis to be drafted. Do you like the pick, and, and, and is this something that you see in a couple of years, the, the Willis to Burks, uh, the combination, lighting it up for Tennessee? That's what I expect. I think that this, this is – so when we were doing the show, this was an A-plus pick for me to get Malik Willis here. It would be questionable if you got him in the top 10, top 5, top 10, top 15, which is where everybody thought he was going to go. But to be able to get him – on that second day, and get him even after Desmond Ritter. Now you're like, hey, we don't have to play this guy at all. He can learn, and obviously we know about the Tannehill controversy of it's not my job to mentor him, yada yada yada. But I think at the end of the day, there's enough info, information, enough knowledge in that quarterback room, but also in that coaching staff to really get him prepared to go and. Uh, I talked about this with um, Ritter Mariota to the Falcons. Uh, Willis and Tannehill, I think that's a very that's also a one to one. Heavy play action passes to move the ball vertically down the field, and then quick play actions to get the ball into the screen game. That but they don't have to change the offense for Willis to get into package plays, which means he can be more effective. I, I think that one of the biggest mistakes we've seen happen across the board in the NFL are drafting two or having two completely different quarterbacks in that quarterback room as your starter and then your backup because you have to do something completely different and you don't have time to practice that. So I think this is a lot closer one-to-one. Not as close as Ritter and Mariota in, in, in Atlanta, but certainly Willis to Tannehill, Tannehill to Willis, excuse me, is a much closer parallel, which is going to allow them to actually work on things, whether it's those half rolls, uh, half rolls to, to levels routes, which they really like to run, the quick sort of uh, handoff RPO look to get the ball out for a screen. He can do all those things. I think he's going to grow up, and I think the big key is going to be he, he just has he ha, he has time, and he doesn't have the instant play period that we're going to see out of a guy like Kenny Pickett who went number twenty for the Steelers. I'm a Commanders fan, and you're a former Tar Heel. What did you think about Sam Howell going to the Commanders in the fifth round? I I think it's it's good for the Commanders, right? Like that's a good like again that's one of those things a guy that we all thought was going to end up on day two. And you you end up getting them way down, and and I don't know if you've seen the news about Sam Howell. Do you know he's never had steak or a burger? I saw that. That's incredible. Well, actually, it's kind of sad, but yeah, I I feel bad for him, but especially because he's not a vegetarian. He eats chicken, he eats fish. He just if he doesn't eat red meat, maybe we'll. I don't know. But uh, on the football field, I think Hal again. He's going to have a little bit of time, but the key for him is going to be he's got to learn to throw between the hashes, and, and and even between the hashes is a little different in the NFL versus college. He's got to learn to throw in the interior of the field, and that's something that he really struggled with. And I think that's, that's where teams kind of looked at it and they thought, it's better for me to build up around a team, and we can wait on a quarterback maybe the next year or later in the round uh, with a guy like Howell. Because Sam Howell throws, I think, the best deep ball. I think Malik Willis or Carson Strong would argue the point, but I think he throws probably the best deep ball, especially to the sideline, out of anyone in this class. The big key for him is going to be, how does he tempo it down to hit those layered throws in the intermediate area. That's somewhere I thought that Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati was really good. Probably one of the best at was being able to hit these up and down throws where you have to get it up over a linebacker, down in front of the safety, and keep and protect your guy. 
And I think that Ritter was really good at that, which is why teams valued him a little bit more. Sam Howell's got to figure out how to make those layered throws. And if he can do that, he can play. I think he's, right now he's going to be, you know, going to be a backup. And going, moving on from there, we'll see if he can get those layered throws, work on, interme- work on his accuracy in the intermediate areas. But I, I like him as a player, and obviously he's from outside of Charlotte. Everybody keeps saying he's from Charlotte. He is not. He's from outside of Charlotte. He's from Union County, uh, hmm. which is not Charlotte. But he is definitely a North Carolina kid, obviously played for the Tar Heels. And he's also athletic, which I don't think enough people give credit to. This guy ran for 800 yards a year ago. Yeah. I have uh, watched enough pirate movies, Michael, to know that it's hard to uh, accurately aim your cannon. So we'll see if he can uh, if he can shore that up. Wes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm biased, but I love the pick of Damone Clark, the LSU linebacker in the fifth round. Uh, if he's able to overcome the uh, neck fusion, uh, you put him and Micah Parsons together at linebacker. I love that pairing for the uh, foreseeable future. What, what do you think about uh, Clark going to the Cowboys? Yeah, it's about healthy. Right? It's about him being healthy. Like, we, we've talked about this, right? Like, there's a chance that he just never plays football. And it's not a big chance, small chance, but we've seen the Cowboys do this before. Um, who was the other linebacker? Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, Notre Dame, yeah. And they, they, they're not afraid to take the risk on guys getting healthy and getting them into rehab programs and making things work. Different injury, obviously. His was the leg. This was the neck. But the final fusion, it, it, it's going to be interesting for me because I believe Peyton Manning had a spinal fusion surgery as well, but I don't think it was the same, you know, like the C4 or whatever it is. I don't think it was the same vertebrae. And he plays a different position. To be a linebacker with that compression is going to be really interesting. And how he handles that and how his body responds to it, that's the only thing I'm looking at. Otherwise, we'll probably see him come off the board a little bit earlier if he doesn't have the medical. Uh, Michael, almost out of time. I had a couple last things here for you. Uh, when... Uh... We're doing the show a lot of times. Sometimes I become hyperbolic, and uh, mostly it's in an effort to pick on Wes, and I also use dumb voices to do that. But um, yesterday we were talking, and he's like, look, an 80-1 to show on a Kentucky Derby so Arkansas can beat Alabama next year. You see? You see? Anything can happen. Michael, doesn't seem quite as far-fetched as an 80-1 to show winning the Kentucky Derby, but would you put it at 5-1 to odds, 10-1 to odds, 20-1 to odds, 40-1 to odds? What do you think? Give me an idea on Arkansas, Alabama, off the top of your head, knowing we haven't even broken fall camp yet. I, I, I'm not as good at the gambling stuff as you thought. I'll go 10-1. to Okay. I'll go 8-1, 10-1. Eight, eight I think it's they've got Arkansas's got to solve some issues at the linebacker spot. They've got to figure out who's going to be their go-to receiver consistently. Obviously, Jaden Hazelwood coming in is going to be a part of that equation, if I'm not mistaken. And – Clean, and, uh, listen, I think the biggest loss for Arkansas, I don't think the biggest loss is probably going to be Traylon Burke. It's just going to be John Ridgway. Mm. And that's, that's the thing that I don't think a lot of folks are thinking about. It's really hard to replace a guy that essentially was the sling man in the middle of your entire defense, and then everybody played off of what he did on every single set. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, last thing here, we are uh, our question of the day today is, if you were getting help from the folks – on the ground, uh, air traffic control, do you think you could land a plane if the pilot had a medical emergency? Like a smaller plane? Absolutely. No, absolutely not. We're all going to die. Are you okay. kidding me? Well, 75% of our listeners think they can, so you might want to jump on with no. them next time. No, yeah, there's there's no chance. Harrison Ford has been in multiple plane crashes. That's because, true. And he's, he was a, he's gone. Like he's a, he's he's a pilot. A pilot. Yes. That's a and, great point. No, there's no way. Absolutely not. I've seen flights. That stuff looks really hard. It's harder <laughs> if you're on cocaine. Yes. <laughs> what are you suggesting? That Han Solo's on cocaine? 
Is that what you're suggesting? I must have missed that story. Christian. Really? I don't know the story. All right, Mike, we'll let you go on that note. I don't want you to have to get caught up in this fray, but uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thank you.